Welcome, and thank you for joining me on the Executive Women's Wellness Society podcast. I'm your host, Sonia Peterson, and I work with women to remind them that they are worthy of success. And that doesn't mean it comes at a cost of an unfulfilled career, burnout, or poor health. On this podcast show, I present on real women's topics of health and well-being, and I'm joined by experts around the globe who share their knowledge on how to have an abundance of good health, become wisely wealthy, experience love and deep connection in all our relationships, and immerse in a spiritual way of life for overall well-being. Join me as I explore and go deep on real women's topics with real women on real issues surrounding our health, wealth, love and spirit. I remind you that you are worthy. Now, with no hesitation, let's dive deep. This podcast has been proudly brought to you by Hamper World, who have been crafting gourmet food and wine hampers for over 20 years. Operating from the same Melbourne location, Hamper World has grown from a small family business to a successful business delivery worldwide. Servicing both corporate and hospitality clients alike, Hamper World offer a selection of sweet and savoury treats perfect for any occasion. All Hamper World hampers are hand-packed and feature only Australian-made products. Every hamper carries the Australian-made logo, ensuring you are supporting Australian businesses. To order your delicious hamper, go to hamperworld.com.au. Melissa Lewis is the founder of The Ascension Group and works with high-performing women to unleash the power of their executive presence from the inside out. She has inspired thousands of exceptional women to commercialise their talents by taking their brand substance, character and personal style to the next level for greater visibility, reward and influence. A pioneer in the personal branding space, the key to Melissa's special source is the Bates Communication EXPI assessment tool and her own presence quotient PQ tool. She has worked with organisations and leaders from KPMG, Tolstra, Amex, Bendigo Bank, Seabus Superannuation, Eventbrite and Coles. Okay, great. Melissa, I'm so glad that we're talking today. Like I have been waiting so long to talk to you and we're finally here and we have so much great stuff to talk about today. And for the people that know you firstly, please um, go ahead and introduce your beautiful self and the Ascension Group that you're the founder of. Thank you. And it's great to be here too. I know we've been trying to organise it. This is where ISO actually really works. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm home and people are like, right, we're doing it. I'm like, okay. Yes. <laughs> so it's, it's great to be on a podcast. It's, tr- it's great to be able to share insights um, and be able to see women especially flourish. So my name is Melissa Lewis and I guess, you know, I came from commercial property. I studied property. Um, I loved property. I worked for CBRE and then I moved into shopping centre management uh, because I loved fashion and I loved business and I love property. So I really combined the two. So Westfield, I um, created my own role and really... um, Worked my way up from the ground. I had no idea. I just always worked in retail. My grandfather was a couture tailor. Um, as I said, I loved business and I loved property. So, you know, 
I started very young, worked my way up. And after quite a few years in corporate, I kept noticing that I was one of the few female <laughs> at the table. And I was also a lot younger. And I didn't know what I was doing, but I, I was a workhorse and I just wanted to learn and I was happy to do any job. But I ended up learning, you know, all the areas of shopping centre management. But in this time, I saw many credible, amazing women getting overlooked for roles. And I kept thinking, what's going on? Like, they're smart and they're capable. And then I could see there was an inconsistency between how they looked, how they physically presented and what they were capable of. And then they didn't really have that confidence to really articulate who they were or they didn't have to commercialise their talents or they didn't have a team backing them to help them influence. And so they did get overlooked for roles and they weren't seen as really having that presence, let's say, to take on. And so I, as a hobby, 10 years ago, I started with just wanting to... Um, and. Mind you, I'd worked in fashion for many years. I used to run the Q stores while I studied property at night. So I always had women waiting for me and I would dress them and I'd be honest and go, yep, no, that looks bad. Nah, remember that jacket, wear this under that. So I was always very honest. So I built this reputation of the go-to for corporate women and they were, you know, head of the banks and law firms, but they didn't know if black or navy looked good on them. And here I was, you know, and then I used to babysit for the witness and then I used to take them down the road to witness and match the shoes and get a discount for them. So for me, it was like 10 years ago, I was like, let me just help business women, make them feel confident because, you know, you feel so good inside when you dress well. Now, for these women, they were running billion-dollar businesses, you know, really top of their field, but their forte wasn't how to finesse or present themselves. And what I found over the last first five years was one, I only attracted business women because I was very commercial about um, getting a good return on their investment when it came to clothing. I wasn't about brands. I was all about fabric. My grandfather taught me how to tailor. So I always had someone who would do the minor detail, which really changes the whole garment. So I'm very good at helping bigger women. And I've been 35 kilos heavier, big bus and Kirby and um, now I'm a size six. So really I've, I've been all gamut. So I really do get it. Um, and so I built the trust of these women and then they kept coming to me and saying, I'm still getting overlooked for roles. And I've been told that I just miss something, you know, it's confidence or they just said, I'm missing this presence. And I got really interested in presence. And I thought, wow, you know, you know, when someone's got it, you know, when they don't. And, Intuitively, I could see that in their, um, the way they communicated, that their technique wasn't always congruent, that sometimes they make the wrong impression. Often the people that knew them well knew how good they were, but if you met them externally, you kind of thought, mm, not sure, because there was incongruency between what they said and how they presented. But no one gives women honest feedback. What I found, very few. Everyone wants to be liked you know, or they get feedback and it's too late. You don't know what to do with it. It's like, well, why didn't you tell me I was perceived this way? You know, and I can see you nodding yes. going, yes. So it was really, you know, I always believe what's meant to be is meant to be. And I'd gone saying I have amazing, you know, mentors that are you know, double my age, basically. And um, I said, I need a science-based tool. I need something because I need data and science to to really help people understand how are they being 
perceived? And is their intentions aligned with what they intend? And 99% of the time, they're not. But these are clever people. So, you know, if they had that data, they could make minor tweaks. We don't fix. I don't fix. These women are amazing. You know, I'd pay them to work with them. It's finessing. And it's making sure the impact of our message has that influence. And we learn that over time. And we only learn that through what's working, what's not, by getting feedback. So at about 2 o'clock in the morning, 2017, I, found the, I, I had a link to another article, found the only science-based tool in the world that could measure presence. So for me, it was like, oh, my God, I can help women with science, with data. I can uncover their blind spots. I flew over there. I became the first Australian accredited um, practitioner. I'm now about to do a whole lot of webinars with them. Thanks, ISO. So you can see, but they had developed a definition of what executive presence was. And it's your ability of a leader to inspire, to align, to motivate, and to bring others on board. And I'm like, oh my God, that's what executive presence is. And then they went deeper and they said, right, and the way we measure it is we look at your character your substance and your style. I'm like, music to my ears. So got accredited, been helping um, many clients understand, you know, with their direct reports, upper management, lower management, where their perceived strengths are, where the opportunities are further to develop. And then I developed my own philosophy and research. And I think this is when you get that aha moment. And I was like, right. Your IQ and your EQ are great, and that's what you need to invest in, and you need both. But no longer is it enough just to invest in our IQ and EQ. What's going to differentiate us in the world, and especially in times now, like now where you're going to have an enormous amount of pool of talent, you're going to have companies retrenching, you're going to have um, jobs become obsolete, you're going to have... Um, it's a new way of thinking. Whatever you thought your plan was before, all of a sudden you need to re-strategize. What am I good at? Um, where can I add value now? What's my expertise? How do I differentiate myself from everyone else? How do I build a brand that's authentic, that people trust and like you because it's all built on that, these photos, facades. It is just a facade. If you want to do real business, you need to be real with yourself. And I think... So now it's all about your presence from the inside out. So I developed a tool called your PQ, your presence quotient. And I trademarked this. And what it allowed me to do was combine my science research with my tangible research of working really with women in their houses, getting to the crux. When you start with image, you go on a level that no one goes to. When you work with powerful women that let you, that undress in front of you and talk about, and you go in their wardrobe, I said to my husband, I never let anyone in my wardrobe. <laughs> you know, like what's happened here? <laughs> you build a relationship. So I can now see, and I'm, I'm reading my, you know, my material. I've got 10 years of content and it's more relevant now about your presence. Your presence and what I've been able to identify is nine behavioural characteristics that really are essential for someone, especially a woman. My sweet spot is women. You know, I work with men. I don't want to coach them. They've taught me a lot in life. They've been great leaders, but I don't want to coach them. My sweet spot is helping women who are smart, intelligent and driven, working in male-dominated environments, 
really commercialize their talents and make sure their presence matches their credibility. And it's from the inside out. And at different times in your life or career, you're going to be strong on some elements and other elements you need to pump up. So I can go into my model later of what that looks like. But, you know, we're all going, and especially now during this ISO time, there, there's going to be different triggers. There's going to be different things. Um, we know it all starts from the mind. Um, I had severe burnout and... Uh, about 16 months ago and I changed everything. And I'm so grateful that when I went through that, because I'm able to help so many people hopefully prevent that, because um, it's real and it's gonna be even more real after this when people have financial stress and home stress and work stress. And you know, there's only so much you can take. And I know you do a lot in that wellness and bring it back and that's really important now. You know, I know when I do my stretching and that downtime at night, I can feel the body slow. I know when I'm getting triggered. Um, but every day it's a work in progress. So, yeah, so that gives it a, a nutshell. I love it. I love it. You know, I have so many questions now. <laughs> but uh, firstly, okay, I, I really want to talk about the burnout. Um, but we'll, we'll get to that in a sec. When you say executive presence, this to me um, is something I've personally struggled to understand. Yeah. And like you said, now more than ever, when we're in ISO, when look, let's be honest, we're competing for jobs. We're competing yeah. for, um, like you say, that presence, that brand awareness. And there are a lot of women out there struggling. And like you, I have a soft spot. Um, women are where I want to be sitting and where I am sitting. And that's, the, the audience of the society but executive presence you really hit the nail on the head for me it's not of course just about how we look that's one factor one very important factor it's a it's, factor yeah it's about what you're saying aligning ourselves to be our authentic selves now please share with me how do we find ourselves in an authentic space whereby we're aligned to our values we're aligned in our career. We're aligned to how we dress. And for me too, I work in a um, male dominant area. Now I've had to work really hard to earn those stripes, but I didn't do it just because of, you know, putting on a suit every day. Mm -hmm. I had to have all those factors, but what advice would you give women at the moment in that situation that we're talking about to have that So to, to be successful in whatever you do comes from self-awareness. So everything starts with you. So it's interesting because all my women are now going, right, this is my time to reflect. Like this has happened. So what happens on reflection is you start delving into one corner and go, oh, what's this? And then it's like you open all these things. Now, it's a new strategy time now. Now it's, right, who do I want to work with? What type of life do I want? What don't I want? What is the impact that I want to have in my career? What's the life balance look like? Am I happy where I'm working? Is that bringing at the best in me? Do I wake up and obviously times are different now, yeah, but generally do you wake up and excited about your work? Are you being appreciated by your boss? 
Are you just the workhorse or are you being seen and valued for that next promotion? And nine times out of 10 people are going, actually, I hate my work. Now, if you hate your work or you feel like you're a workhorse or not getting valued or constantly being overlooked, that will naturally have a huge impact on everything else you do, your relationship with your partner, your relationship with your kids, your relationship with your work people. So the people that I work with are very smart and go, right, something's wrong. I, can, I know it's around workspace. I'm not feeling fulfilled. And then we'd start to go, right, I purposely did a free tool. So my presence quotient tool is free. So what it does is it gets people thinking, where are my, so it's just 27 questions and very high level. And I probably need to review them as well um, because everything's changing so fast. But it's, you know, I've identified three areas that are essential for someone to have presence. And they are your commercial demeanour. So, and I can show you here, I don't know if you can see that, but it's, that's my principles of presence and I can, you know, send that through to you and a link. Um, but basically, so we have three, if, if you can see that, yes, three um, areas. And the first area is your commercial demeanour. Mm -hmm. And your commercial demeanour is really about the quality of your conversations because the quality of your conversations are going to determine your relationships. It's about doing that with confidence. It's about doing that um, in a way that builds trust. It's about having composure. When we're stressed, the first thing that goes for women is composure. So they become emotional um, rather than commercial and often can lose um that presence that they could have had and all their hard work goes to waste because they're seen as being even emotional and we've already got that stereotype. So, you know, the second is building your brand, you know, so really looking, okay, so where's my brand now? Do people know it? Does it reflect who I am today? If not, what do I want my LinkedIn profile to say? Um, does the image even reflect who I am now? Because that's the first thing people see. Um, you know, looking at your values. Well, are they aligned to the place I work with? Are they aligned with my partner? You know, and if not, you're going to get that uncomfortableness and that's okay because successful women are okay to ask themselves the difficult questions. They don't put it under the table. They also know that conflict is okay too. It doesn't need to be aggressive. And it doesn't need to be ugly. But we need to be honest with ourselves. And then the third principle is your executive style. So as you alluded before, here's how you look. But what's your energy like? What's your demeanour? Do you make the right first and lasting impression? What is the first impression people get of you? Is it the right one? Is it aligned? Like I know when I have a conversation with a client, you can feel that depth. Like, you know, it's authentic. You get each other from the start. You're not judging. But a lot of people are judging. So are they, are they, are they making the right interpretation of you? Um, yes, your image, but also your style. What's your style like in getting people on board and influencing? Because as we become more senior leaders, it's not just about our tech 
knowledge or our experiences we know it's how if you if you don't have presence you can't have influence and as you move up the ladder you actually need more people to help you because you've got so many tasks and deliverables that people need to respect you they need to see you work that you need to have clear instructions you need to have wisdom you've got to share your vision but you've got to be inclusive you can't be too aggressive there's so many elements and that's why now people are going right what's working for me what's not and let's uncover what's not because the 10 year, next 10 years are going to be difficult for some yeah and prosperous for others depending how and whom we get around to support us as well yeah i love how you talk about um having the self-awareness and actually, you really need to get to a point where you know yourself, don't you? Because, yeah, you may think you're giving off one vibe and coming across confident and energetic and then you're sitting in a room where people may not feel that. And it's about knowing yourself to the true core and having those values true aligned. Core. And, and that keeps changing. Yes. You know, it's like being confident is that you wake up one morning you're confident it's a muscle that you practice and practice it's the same with my training you know i train my heels so the flat becomes easy you know <laughs> but that's a level of you know people go but i watch movies and i go well i run heels you know so you do what works for you there's no judgment in that but you have to know yourself you're a hundred percent correct because when you don't you can't expect other people to love or to respect you because they will see through that. And that's yeah. okay not to know yourself all the time. You know, everyone's going through their own journey, but I think you need to then have the right people to pose questions to you to, to make you see. You know, I have a whole team around me that when I'm thinking about something, I want to see it through other lenses. And that's very important. Yeah. It's important in life. It's important because I'm a strong personality and I want to make sure that I get the breadth of understanding it from different points of views. I think as a leader, that's very important. It comes back to the self-awareness piece. Not everyone wants to care and that's okay too, but that will limit them in, in their presence. Yeah. There's three things I see very common in women and I would really love you to shed some light on this. And um, I'm talking about, I, I also coach successful, beautiful, strong women. But there's three things I see. Yeah. Lacking of career clarity or clarity in general. You know how you were talking earlier yep. about, um, you know, just really knowing, being aligned and knowing where you want to be. Do you hate your job? Do you not hate your job? What, yep. what do you want to study? Where do you want to be? There's a lot of confusion around that, particularly now, because people are sort of left off that. The other thing I see is women feeling threatened by other women. And I'm, I'm really sorry to say that, but it's become a fact. Women feeling threatened by other women and that, that sense of the limiting belief of I'm not good enough. And then, of course, the third one is for those women, I am one of them, but I do see a lot of them as you do, working in a male-dominated area and how to really like break free from that. And we, we talk about self-awareness, yes, but... Um, I think those three factors are the biggest holdbacks for us as women at the moment. Absolutely. And I identified that actually. It's funny. When I did the PQ, I identified three issues and, and, and three prob common problems. Oh, I wish I had it here. Were they and there, those ones? 
Yeah, it was. Well, the first was, yeah, and let me go on yours, which are great. So lack of clarity. Absolutely. I think for most of us, we've just been on that treadmill of go, go, go. And so between working, uh, doing an MBA, studying again, supporting a husband, honestly, just doing it because we needed to tick off or get more experience. And now it's like, holy shit, we can design our life. We never thought we'd be in this spot as having an epidemic that affects the whole world. You know, the whole world, it's like, wow. So clarity is absolutely the key now. And I guess that's what I've been really focused on working with my past, present and future clients is exactly let's get clear what you want because if you want it we can make it happen but unless you can visualize it unless you can get clear and it takes time when i had my burnout i stopped listening to everything no podcast no nothing i'd had so many coaches my whole life i was like right i need to get in touch with me and i wrote a list what do i love who do I love working with and who gives me a headache? I, just <laughs> I love that. Who gives me a headache? Who gives me a headache? Well, I got rid of all the corporates. <laughs> <laughs> they said they wanted to help women. They didn't. It didn't align. It made me angry because I knew what was going on. I only work one-on-ones. I stopped doing keynotes. I realised I don't need to be centre stage. I just want to support my fabulous women. And it took an enormous amount of energy. I will get back on the stage, but on my own terms. I love q and I love more where I'm more real and I can be more relevant. And I, 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 can, I can just provide insights that are gonna that it, they're gonna make a difference rather than get up there and just do this sixty minute speech that takes you sixty hours to prepare. So I refocused my energy on what made me happy, and as a result, um, I got a side hustle and but I was able to build up my breadth and depth of experience to further help my clients. Yeah. So I feel like. Clarity, absolutely. Now is the time to get clarity. I'm about to put out some great posts and do um, a fabulous uh, webinar with the Boston crew who taught me everything about executive presence. So we're going to be talking about what are the key principles now in COVID-19 of a presence that we need to be um, aware of and the First one is composure. So I think that will be great. The second you alluded to is limiting beliefs um, and feeling threatened. I have to say I don't partake in that. My race has always been against myself. God help me. And <laughs> <laughs> um, always has been. And I teach my clients the same. Focus on what you can maximise. Don't worry about what you don't have. Focus on what you have understand what your gaps are let's fill them they're smart women so for me we're not worried about we've got you know the people i work with we know we're good at what we do and we know what we're not good at and we know when we need help and we pull in the right team so we don't have those limiting beliefs um we also don't listen to that inner critic as much we we, we hear it and everyone has it but once again you said it's what you do with it okay it drives me and my clients. 
we don't let it hold us back. We also help others because we want to help others. We don't feel like there's competition. So, yes, there is that competition out there. Um, when I was in corporate, I definitely had women blocking me. I, you know, when I started at shopping centres, I thought, why am I having such resistance? And I found out the... Um, receptionist who'd been there for years said my daddy got me the job and that's why I had an office and I was like oh my god and once I turned that round of course you know people realize hey she's a workhorse let's use her so it's interesting um your third one is working in a male-dominant environment well that's life it's not going to change much we are so top heavy in financial services, law, um, property. Uh, it's just the way it is. You know, do us women always want those roles? Probably not because of the politics and bureaucrats. I've always had a brilliant working relationship with men. I'll be honest, I'm fortunate that they've respected me because I'm commercial. When I didn't know anything, they said to shut up, yes, and I listened and they were great mentors. Um, I've come across very few men that haven't respected women or helped open my doors. We're never going to be in the boys' club. Don't try to be in the boys' club. I never drank. I always left early. I think maintaining that brand and respect for yourself is what's allowed me to keep my credibility and the women that I work with, we know this. Um, you don't get tipsy at work, you don't drink, you want to have a cry, that's fine, we're normal, but just, you know, we're at work, yeah, and we all have our bad days and good days, and I think actually the gold is when men and women actually work together because we see things differently. So male-dominated environment, yes, but, you know, an all-female environment is fucking bitchy. <laughs> Excuse my French, it's worse. So I think, you know, a good balance is, is both. Yeah, and I'm, I'm glad, so glad that you touched on this, all those three because, yeah, I'm so impressed to hear that the limiting beliefs, yeah, I mean, being in business women entrepreneurs, you've had to learn how to really cut those out because if you keep... I mean, everyone keep, has them. I mean, yeah. the world has... We, our mind subconsciously goes to, oh, my God, can I do that? Oh, my God, will that happen? And what if this happens? What if that? But, you know, analysis by paralysis. I don't work with those people because I don't attract them. I think they come to me because I push through. And I don't push through in a non-authentic way is it hard to do keynotes and exhausting oh my god and the and the nerves and absolutely but then if you know you've got value and a message you know it's it's all about the mindset and talking to myself you know I don't run 80ks and not talk to myself I'm training myself head up straight this slow down you know this you know move out of the way here go faster go slower slow instead you know it's you're constantly talking with your brain. So it's whatever you feed it is really what the output's going to have. Oh, you're talking to the preacher of that. Um, you know, that's what we coach obviously in society as well. It's all about our mindset and you're so 100% right. And also what our mindset does to our body, the positive, 
the positive, the neuropeptides that flood into our body and make our nervous system strong and protect us from illnesses and diseases. So when I had burnout, my whole system stopped. I blew up. My, I couldn't digest food. Yeah, um, let's talk about this more. So you couldn't digest food. How did you, did you know at the time this was all happening or did it sort of? Yeah, I could feel sluggish. So for someone who would jump out of bed, I just didn't want to get out of bed. I was, it was the pressure of, you know, my biggest learning was just because you can doesn't mean you should. And, you know, yes, I can talk and yes, I can write this and yes, I can present this. And then I just realised it just got too much and I just I just want to be the hidden secret behind my women and I, and I love that and I don't need to be on the stage and I don't ever want to be famous. It's not about that. It's doing the work I love that's meaningful and seeing my, my clients get the results, you know, making these amazing women really have the opportunities to do impactful work and get paid what they deserve and feel good about themselves and be valued because it is very hard to work in these corporate hard time times at the best of times and then having a family and, you know, you just need a bad boss, a bad relationship, bad staff member and it can strip you of, of your self-worth and everyone's got a story. Everyone's got, you know, my biggest thing was never judge a woman by the page you meet or her on, but others do. You know, they do. And that can impact how they're perceived and what happens as a follow-on. Yes. Yeah. How, how did you, um, so you're obviously aware the burnout was happening. Now, how did you pull through from that? What strategies did you use in terms of your health and well-being? Were you training? Were you eating well? What was it for you that pulled you Yes, through? I've always ran and I've always had a cook because I'm, it's really important for my whole family to eat really well and I don't love cooking and I love working <laughs> and I with my kids so it's knowing where to spend that time and, you know, I don't have a big team. A lot of it's me. I do have contractors, and, but I pulled all of that back to streamline. Um, I couldn't get out of bed. I really was mentally exhausted of the churn of business and all of, you know, it just got so big and the home and it just was noise, like noise, and it's debilitating. Yeah. Because it's very heavy. Um, it was the best thing, the best thing that ever happened. And I only had, like, when I'm saying three weeks I couldn't get out of bed, which is nothing compared to people. But I did get, I coached myself out. And I, as I said before, I got very clear on what I wanted and what I didn't want and what was causing me. And even now, and I've kept that up for 14 months, that I make sure I fill my cup first. Mm -hmm. I used to think, you know, I came from a mum that never did that, so it was selfish. Well, no, I exercise first because before I give and I'm giving all the time, I need to fill my cup. And that was the biggest thing when I looked at my list of what I love to do and what I was doing was the running was it just kept getting slipped away so I put that over and for me that was the, that was the start of oh when I run I feel good and then that impacts that and then I actually got more time for this and oh my patience is better and I feel good and it was just I'm more present with the kids and as a wife and when you do fill your cup 
And I think people find it really hard to do that, especially times like now when they're stretched even more. But if we don't, I live to tell the story of what happens, that you do have that burnout. And we, I think we all will go through a burnout at one stage of another, and that's part of your life lesson of growing. And once again, it's what do you do with that lesson? And for me, it was fill my cup first. I have a nana nap because I run at such a speed and I'm aware of that. And so for me, I like that half an hour or hour of dribble. And I'm like, <laughs> I get a deep state. And then I'm like, right, kids, second round, <laughs> you know, but I have to do that. Um, I don't work much at night anymore. I used to I used to be a workaholic 80 hours a week. So I revised that. I stopped working all weekends. I'm sort of back at that now because everyone doesn't have time during the week now. But, you know, I'm flexible. But I make sure that if I catch myself getting fast again, I slow it down. I slow it down. I make sure I have my me time. I check in with myself on a daily basis. If I can see that my mind is racing or a negative thing or I'm becoming irritable. Why? So it's that self-awareness. And as you said, we need to know it ourselves. And I think I can speak more for women than men, but as we get older, we do. We know ourselves more or we don't. You know, it's like yeah. you, you, you get yourself or you're still making the same mistakes. Yes. I don't do the same mistakes. No because I don't even think anything's a mistake. Things happen. Yeah, they happen to the good of us, to the bad of us. Things really happen and they're real now. They're really real as you get older. People get sick. People lose loved ones. People's jobs just disappear. Company goes broke that they've been in. You never would have thought they would, they would have ended up. But it is all with how we approach it from the mind. And everyone is very different. And what I've realised is the adversity that I'd had from moving out of home at 18 and being really self-sufficient from a young age and my dad being a bit of a perfectionist and very strict for me and always worked and had three jobs and had that work ethic actually was the best thing because I'm so grateful for that. But it was difficult at the same time. So, you know, you have adversities, but later on in life you see the lessons and the values. So you keep learning. Yes. And I love how you say there's no such thing as a a bad decision or a mistake. And I believe, truly believe in that. Um, You know, it's just another opportunity to take a different road or end up really on the destiny of your road that you're meant to be in your path. But also the fact that, you know, you talk about putting yourself first and this is where women are struggling with and I I coach them a lot in these sessions of filling your cup, whether that's training, eating well, sleep, nourishing your mind. Do Sleep was a big thing for me, actually. I really, like, became a stickler for sleep. That was probably after reading Ariana Huffington's book of of, um, When She Collapses. I can't remember. I haven't read that book. But we, we can put it as a resource link when we... Yeah, it's brilliant. But it was basically she had burnout and she hit the floor. Yeah. And sleep was her number one thing. And it was just, it's so true. Because without sleep, you know, you think about what they do um, 
when they capture you, they make you not sleep, you know, so that's like the cruelty. So I think when you don't have sleep, you can't have clarity, you're far more emotional, you don't see clear picture, you're not being your best self, you're going to make bad decisions. Yes. And the other thing is it's okay, you know how you were saying you check in with yourself every day. I think where sometimes, um, you know, we can give up is it can be exhausting checking in with yourself every day. Then you have people around you. So I always say, you know, you need to have your own boardroom, you know, and you need... (laughs) Like that, your own executive group. (laughs) Your own boardroom. You know, I have people that I can ask for finances or for strategy or uh, business or life or marriage (laughs) or, you know, coaching for health. Um, So I think in life you, you do end up having an array of people or if you haven't start looking at who do I need to support you and clever women know that they are great at what they are good at and they hire people like you for wellness or coaching or for whatever it is to make them stronger and and, sh- and cut short that learning curve in that particular area yes yeah and you can't be successful without having wellness it doesn't go it's like you can't, it's, it, it's like just because you look good on the outside doesn't mean you have the depth of experience and the breadth and the personality to attract someone and, and for them to be believable because that's all show. So it's, it's so deep. Um, and I think now people are realising the complexities of life um, and, wow, how powerful the brain is. So powerful. Yeah. So powerful. And I, you know, all I was worried about is if they do lockdown, I, I can't run. I was like, take away all my clothes, all my dresses, everything. But don't take away my run. <laughs> Actually, I felt the same about my boot camp. Three days a week, I'm doing that. You're running 80Ks, unbelievable. I'm only running 20 a week. But still, I, I really feel you that that was one of my first things that I thought, oh, no, I won't be able to exercise because it's my only outlet of letting go of depression or anxiety or whatever's happening for me and, and most women at that time. But, yeah. look, you know, you and I, we could talk all day. I could just listen. And I think to- one other thing is, the play of hormones too. So yes, on top of everything, everything. Women, you know, in our forties and whatever, we have then a change as well. Um, I haven't got too much into that. I've definitely had the hot sweats. So um, and you go with the flow, and after two kids, obviously you're never the same from before. But um, I think that plays also into our mindset, and we need to be bit more gentle on ourselves. I think that's what I learned most is I used to be so harsh on myself and now I'm far more gentle if you don't feel like it if if you're just having an off day or whatever you just talk yourself through it it's not a catastrophe as I say to my young one you know my girl I could see her mood and I'm like is it a catastrophe it's not a catastrophe you know like it's like build that bridge so I think just being a bit kinder and making a joke as well I love it because my sisters and I have a saying when, you know, I might ring them or we ring each other and we whinge about something and um, whether it's a false or a problem or not. And my sister will say to me, but did you die? (laughs) Exactly. No, no. wanted to at the time. She's but did you? You did it. You're still here to tell the story. So you're going to be fine. And like you said, just build the bridge. Let's move on and build that resilience really is what we're doing, isn't it? Yeah, well, look, I love talking to you. Like I said earlier, I could talk to you all day and I'm sure our listeners could listen to you all day, but 
Yeah, thank you so much for being on the Executive Women's Wellness Society. We loved having you and we've learned so much. Now, where can people find your beautiful work? Give us your website. So, yeah, LinkedIn is great for me. Um, LinkedIn's sort of my baby, Melissa Lewis. Um, I do do it under my name because it's me. There's no facade. Um, my company is called The Ascension Group. So if people wanted to look, um, I would say go to LinkedIn. My website details are all there. And really, I would love to send you a link for my PQ for all your listeners if you yes, want. Yes, please. Um, then, I love that. You know, and, and, and all it is is really just understanding where they're currently strong and where there's opportunities. And I think it's good for them to think about it themselves and then they can start identifying ooh, what would be the key things to work on now. Absolutely. We will supply that link just in the podcast. So thank you so much and lots of love to you. Take care. So lovely to speak with you and I can't wait to do a wellness one with you for for all my listeners too. So thanks, Sonia. Thanks, Melissa.